This is Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the lovely Desi. How are you doing tonight, Desi? Good. I don't, I don't know about how lovely I am tonight. Why not? What's, what's not lovely about you tonight? <coughs> well, that's one thing that might not be so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that all the way up to the beginning of it. I, had a, um, I was on a call for work earlier in the week, and I had just taken a drink of water, and it was leading up to this point where I had to speak and give a little presentation, Oh, you swallowed too much air. As it's leading up, I feel this burp coming, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. (laughs) So I, like, muted myself, hurry up, got it out. Oh, that's (laughs) hilarious. It was kind of funny. That is funny. (laughs) I've I've had those instances, like, do I dare take a drink of water? Because I'm going to feel rushed, and then I'm going to have to burp. Yeah. And it never fails. Yeah, always got to burp. Always, always. Anyway, I believe I'm first tonight. Uh, I think so. And my first story, I'm going to start out by telling kind of how I came across my first story. You were so reading kind of my story. stories and found it there. No, no. I okay. was I was looking to do a story on like small town festivals. I I've, I know lots of those. So, and, and I was very interested. So I was researching a bunch of different small town festivals. Were you trying to figure out of things to do? No, just research Kurt the fun of it, you know? I mean, we have a, a local festival, the Land of the Loon, the Arts and Crafts Festival. Except everything was canceled this yeah, year. This year everything's canceled. <laughs> uh, last year we went to the Blueberry Festival. That was kind of boring, but whatever, we went. It's almost the same thing as <laughs> Land is. of the Loon. Like. Um, you know, running across different spots in the Midwest, I found a duct tape festival in Ohio. What? That I thought would be interesting. I should um, ask one of my cousins. I have cousins in Ohio I'm friends with on Facebook. Ask them if they've ever been to it. In Olene, Missouri, they have a testicle festival. I'd really <laughs> like to see what that's all about. Uh, I think we could read about what that's all <laughs> Probably, about. But in looking at all these festivals, I came across one that I don't think should exist anymore. Um, Not in this day and age. What was that? Or what? South Dakota State University. Every year for their homecoming in October, they do a week-long celebration. Okay. Their week-long celebration, and it's been, this has been going on for about 100 years, a little over 100 years. Their week-long celebration is called Hobo Days. Okay. Yeah, South Dakota State University has uh, celebrates Hobo Days. Now, whatever you can name your thing, whatever you want, um, and all you know, a lot of communities. It's not the only place that does a Hobo Days. Okay. But South Dakota State University is literally celebrating a um, hundred years ago when, like the Depression, homeless people were coming through South Dakota looking for work, and. When I first saw it, I was like, I don't know if... It's definitely not, you know, today's PC day and age, you know. It wouldn't start something like that today. But I get it. It's tradition. Um, I'm not totally against them still doing it. Um, I will have a a suggestion when I get to the end on, you know, how they could do this better than they currently do. But who am I to tell them? It's just my opinion. I guess I'm waiting to kind of see how they do things because... 
Well, I'm like on the fence right yep. now. Like I'm, I'm not understanding exactly why. First, it's... first, just a little bit of history. The the first Hobo Day was in 1907. Okay. Um, and it was you know homecoming weekend for the football team, and they had a parade called the Nightshirt Parade. Everybody showed up in like pajamas and whatever, and somehow that event morphed into this week long. Uh, thing now that is called Hobo Days. It starts with um, what they call the gear prep night. Okay. Uh, they have a bunch of clothes donated to them throughout the year, and they pay for it by the people who show up to celebrate Hobo Days have to buy these used clothes to wear during Hobo Days because you want to dress like you like you're a hobo or a homeless person. Okay. For the week. Um, there are two clubs leading up to it, the one-month club and the six-month club. They are uh, consist of men and women, the one-month club of men and women who haven't shaved for a month, and the six-month club, of course, men and women who haven't shaved for six months. I, I could easily make the six months <laughs> every now and then. I mean, you include winter in yep. that, and you kind of need that little extra fur. Uh, one, of the, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things, now, I thought this Next one was really kind of cool. I, like, I don't know if I get the whole gist of it and understand the whole, the whole festival and why it's happening, and I'll get there. But this next part, they do this thing called Bum a Meal, where you show up wherever the meeting place is on this Bum a Meal night, and you show up and you get an address, and the address is to somewhere, somebody's house in the local uh, community. <laughs> And you just go knock on their door and they feed you dinner. <laughs> that would be kind of weird. That, I thought, wow, I can't imagine. And this, it, it just, I just thought it was really weird that you'd just go like, eat dinner with some family you don't know. Obviously, that family has signed up to participate as well. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a surprise. Um, the, the one that, I, that really kind of rubbed me wrong was the bum over. This is an overnight in a parking lot. The college provides boxes and duct tape, and everybody builds themselves their own little homeless house and stays in it for the night and parties. This is where this is where it starts rubbing me the wrong way. It's kind of a, I kind of feel like, and I've and I've heard people talk about this. I've listened to videos. I listen to podcasts of people who do this every year. They're from this college is their alumni. They go back every year and it's a huge party week. And I just think a little, a little bit is being lost of these are homeless people we're talking about and kind of mocking. And that's the vibe I get as I listen to people talk about See, it. I don't think they're really mocking it. Maybe the partying is a little too much and I, maybe it didn't start out as I'm, partying. Yeah, and I'm sure it didn't start and out it just kind of, turned into it um i know when i was going to college you were able to sign up to go live like you're homeless for a week Mm -hmm. for education purposes to kind of get the experience and being this is a college who's not to say and that that's what i that's what i wish that's where this started that's what i was looking and hoping to find as i dug into this 
this festival was that the back end of it was going to be some homeless awareness or, you know, we're raising money for the homeless and there's just none of that. And that's what surprised me. That was my suggestion. Okay. I am a little surprised by that. There's nothing wrong with doing a festival like this. If you're doing it to raise awareness for homeless people or, but it just seems like the whole community every year gets together to make fun of homeless people. I don't think they're trying to make fun. It's just a tradition tradition. and it's, Probably, I can almost guarantee it did not start out as a party. Probably not. And and I will say, like, I have heard, I heard an interview with a guy, um, he was, you know, a young guy just out of college, and he was talking about his experience at home, at Hobo Days, and the other person that was interviewing him just couldn't believe this existed, kind of like the, where I'm coming from, and it had never even occurred to the guy that somebody might take this the wrong way. But in this day and age, a lot of people are gonna would take things like this the wrong way. I can imagine, um, and I, and where it is makes a difference too. We're talking about, you know, a state that is literally has the lowest homeless population per capita in the country, South Dakota. They don't have a lot of homeless people, so they're they're not directly trying to make fun of them. I'm just just was shocked that it it's just a tradition that was passed down and yeah. throughout time it's i'm sure has changed i'm sure i'm sure and it probably did it start off with the words hobo probably not no actually that didn't even come along until sometime in the 20s i believe odds are somebody was like you look like you're dressed like a hobo and boom mm-hmm. there it was i'm i'm, I'm sure i'm sure like they, there's a few other things they do they have a mr and mrs homely coming who can dress the homeliest and and be the king and queen. Um, the they have the Hobo Olympics. I'm not exactly. You sure realize what they where do. all this stuff comes from? No, though, I, I, right? I, I do, I do, I do. I where? Just, well, this stuff is coming from literally. It is coming from the transients of the mid 18 1800s. This is coming from a small town finding something to do. Exactly. Yeah. This is like my hometown growing up. You remember the backhoe games? No, I do. It was actually one of the things I thought of as I was going through this research. I was like, no, I didn't think of it in a bad way at all. It was fun. But that's because it's not really controversial. Mm Mm-hmm. But I grew up in a town where it's farms and construction workers, people who own businesses there. Yeah. Either, well, and sawmills. So it's very, they were coming together, putting together a festival of of things that are in the area Mm -hmm. and like skills that people have. A lot of people know how to use heavy equipment from where I grew up because of the, the fact of the area. So they took all these things. They have Clydesdales that come there and they mm-hmm. have like horse show or not horse shows, but they, they give out prizes. They have um, how much can this team of Clydesdales pull mm-hmm. and how far can they go yeah. with it? So it's, it's things coming from the community itself. Mm-hmm. Um, odds are South Dakota. What is there there? And like you said, yeah. there were people that were homeless driving through at one tra- point. Traveled through and, and it stay was for just a couple weeks and work and leave. Yeah. Part of the town's yeah. history that just, just kind of stuck. Whether it's the name itself is probably a little controversy. And little I, I can definitely see that, but I don't see it. I mean, the partying could probably stop, but I can almost the, guarantee after Prohibition, the, 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 like, <laughs> they probably went wild. The like handout cardboard, cardboard boxes and duct tape, I think, is a little going a little far and having competition on who can 
sleep in a card, the best looking cardboard box, but they were probably just looking for activities. I wouldn't have a problem with any of this. If there was just a little bit on the back end, a little bit of, and you know, I agree with that awareness though. for homelessness. It is a huge problem, you know, in this country. And oh yeah. It, it, here's a perfect opportunity to raise awareness with young adults and maybe someday it'll go that way. I, it is still scheduled to take place this year. They said they are not canceling for <laughs> nothing's canceling insulting. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> anyway, hobo days. If you're if you're there in uh, end of October, go check it out. I guess. <laughs> go check it out. Maybe it's really not as harmless, maybe and not, maybe plant a yeah. seed on like, hey, you I know, think. you could be charging people. They have to enter for this contest, and all proceeds go to da 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 da. Yeah, that'd be great. So, I guess I'm not going to be any more uplifting for my first okay. story. So, it's kind of up your alley in a way. Up yours? <laughs> up yours. So, and everybody needs to bear with me because I still got my beautiful voice going on this week. Yeah. Last week, today, I don't know if it's ever going to go away. So... The gruesome tale of the unsolved Hinterkaffeck murders. I probably said the last name wrong. I like murders. I know you do, especially unsolved. Yes. So a week before March 31st of 1922, farmer Andreas Gruber noticed something strange on his farmstead. Um, Oh, I bet that's a town they lived in. (laughs) Teehee. Okay, so known locally as Hinker Kaffick. Now I'm all confused because I read this. It's all highlighted on what I was mm-hmm. going to say. Okay, so outside the home, he found footsteps leading uh, from the woods behind the farm pointing toward home and none leading away from it. Okay. So mm-hmm. Gruber, he never reported the footsteps to the police um, as a as the small German found located about 43 miles north of Munich. Okay. Um, on March 31st, an unknown person, potentially persons, lured each of the six members of the Gruber family to their deaths. Andreas, his wife, um, Kazela, their adult daughter, Victoria, mm-hmm. their granddaughter, Kazelia, um, they were all lured into the barn and slaughtered inside with oh a pickaxe. The family made Maria and their baby grandson, Joseph, were murdered in the home um, in their bedchambers. So almost a week later on April 4th, neighbors, along with several townspeople, stopped by to check on the farm. Um, Young Kazalia had not turned up for school for two days in a row, and the mailman had noticed the mail beginning or beginning to pile up in the post box. Um, They immediately called the police who began to investigate into finding the murderer. So this is horrible. It is horrible. Um, they even have pictures and I was like, I'm not printing those <laughs> off. Um, Munich, uh, Munich police. Now I'm saying it wrong. Interviewed more than a hundred suspects. And recently in 1986 to know ava- uh, available to this day, the murders remain unsolved. Oh. So through the scene was grisly. Um, there was minor, uh, consolation it appeared that at first the most that most of the victims died instantly from their wounds but later investigated 
investigation would reveal that young Cazelia had suffered for hours after, um, likely died from shock. Apparently, she had missing clumps of hair, which they believe she pulled out herself. Um, And all I could think is if you're in so much pain, not really understanding what's going on, she could have. A few days before the murders, around the time that Andreas had noticed the footprints, Footprints neighbors recall him complaining of hearing footsteps in the attic, as well as missing keys to the tool shed. Um, This is where the murder weapons came from. And he also told them he had found a newspaper in his home that he had not purchased. Hmm. So, how weird is that? Um, Somebody like stayed there prior and six months. Oh my God. Six months. Uh, The investigation also uh, revealed that the maid who had preceded Maria had quit six months prior before the murders because she was hearing voices, believed the house was haunted. Um, Police later decided that the voices, newspaper, and footprints could only mean that the murderer had actually been living in the home um, for more than six months before killing them. That's crazy. So after the investigation had been closed, the bodies of the Gerbers were sent for autopsies. Their heads were removed and sent to clairvoyance. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, and that was even unsuccessful. Yeah. So the bodies were buried headless in the cemetery in a nearby town. And the farm said was ultimately destroyed after all evidence could be taken from it. Uh, Theories still float around that about who had murder, who the murder actually was, and they don't. Nothing's really said about it. Um, my thought is: is what if something happened in the attic? Somebody dropped something. Dad goes up there to check, and in there, yeah. boom, it's over. Yep. Somebody found us. We gotta, we gotta take them all out. Yep. Oh, that's horrible. So that's my thought process Absolutely on it. Horrible. But yeah, I was reading it. I'm like, oh, and it's still unsolved. Like, so that's my, that's my Debbie Downer story. Mm, but whole, I, like, the whole unsolved mystery. Lived with them basically for s- six months. It's like, I mean, it reminds me, obviously this didn't end badly, but it reminds me of that YouTube video of the, uh, or the, 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 the person finds somebody like coming out of their cupboard every night with a video camera. They, they oh, see them. yeah, that's been creepy. Living in like a crawl space in their attic for how I'm long? I'm just like, is somebody behind me right oh. now? <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. It's a little disturbing to say the least. <laughs> yep. <sighs> how do I follow that up? <laughs> with happy endings. Okay, we'll try. Well, I've got happy endings. We're going to try. I'm going to tell a little story. And I'm last, so... I'm going to tell a little story about uh, Betty Ann Waters and her brother, Kenny. Betty Ann Waters? Betty Ann and Kenny Waters. Okay. Um, They grew up in a small town in Massachusetts. um, Kenny was kind of a wild kid. Uh, Got in a lot of trouble. Their mom wasn't really around much. Did the... Somebody always seemed to kill Kenny. Uh, no, I don't. I <laughs> Sorry, don't, I had to. I don't to. think somebody was killing Kenny. Um, he uh, he did have a, a lot of, got into a lot of trouble with the police as a teenager and stuff like that. And he became a young adult and in 1980. Uh, one of his neighbors was brutally murdered. And Kenny was charged with the offense. I was going to say, did Kenny do it? Betty Ann was convinced he was innocent, though. 
Um, she did it. <laughs> on the night that the murder supposedly took place, Kenny was actually working at a local diner. And the following morning, he had an appearance in court on an assault charge, on a prior assault charge that he showed up Ew. for. Um, so Betty Ann was positive that he did not do it. Um, he was charged with the crime. They did not have money to get a, you know, a good lawyer, and they didn't get a good lawyer. And Kenny was convicted, uh, found guilty, sentenced to life in prison without parole. That sucks. At the time, Betty Ann was a high school dropout and working as a waitress. Okay. And she'd go see her brother in prison, and he basically told her, I'm not going to survive in here. I'm innocent, and an innocent person cannot live behind bars like this. And so she told him, tell you what, I will do everything in my power to get you out. By everything in her power, what she meant was she first went to community college, followed up with getting a bachelor's degree, went to law school, and eventually, through the help of the Innocence Project, 18 years later, had him proven innocent and released from prison. Wow. She, uh, at the time, it was 1980, DNA wasn't available then. DNA is what ended up, you know, getting him out. Oh, that's sad, though. Like, I mean, it's it good, it but sad. it's sad that, what if DNA never would have came? Yeah, then he would have been in spent the rest of his life in prison. Like that is sad. And nobody else fought for him except for his sister who became an attorney. But this is the only case she ever worked. The, she resigned from being an attorney the day he got out of jail and went back to being a waitress at that same little cafe. Wow. (laughs) She does do volunteer work with the innocence project. Now a a group that, you know, helps free innocent people. But I just thought, you know, I mean, horrible to spend 18 years of your life in prison for a crime you didn't commit. But the fact that is, he said right out, he would have committed suicide in prison if his sister wasn't so driven. Because it gave him hope. And that's where he got his hope from was, was her. She was going to school. She's going to be a lawyer and she's going to get me out of here. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. That sucks, though, 18 years. Yeah, 18 and you know years. it still happens nowadays, well, of course, too. Of course it happens. I mean, Aww. yeah. But at least he's out now and gets to live his life. Yes. Well, I'm going to bring an uplifting story. Okay. So what's your favorite color of jelly bean? My favorite color of jelly bean? Uh-huh. Black. That's the Disgusting. It's not really. I just know everybody thinks they're disgusting. I like them, but it's not not really my favorite color. I don't like them at all. Probably like green or if something. If I accidentally, I if I don't beans. think they're in there and I grab one and I put it in my mouth, it's instant like, why in the hell would <laughs> anybody make this? Other than like a black licorice jelly bean, to Ugh. me, jelly beans taste like jelly beans. I don't care what color they are. I don't feel, I don't taste a flavor, I guess, usually. My favorite jelly bean is the popcorn, the the buttered popcorn. If we're talking about those specialty flavored ones, then yeah, those buttered popcorn's good. Yes. Yes, it is. So I just want to throw out there, the number one favorite jelly bean of kids is the red one. The red one. Okay. Red ones when we're not getting into the fancy flavors. Yeah. So I'm actually going to bring about Ronald Reagan's. Obsession with jelly beans. I knew he had an obsession with jelly beans, but I don't know much about it. So, okay, so shortly after he became governor of California in 1967, he began eating 
uh, pectin. I probably said that wrong. Pectin jelly beans to help them quit smoking. Okay. There's a lot of people hand mouthing yep. and got to oh, keep yeah. busy. I can understand uh, that. When a, a brand or when a new brand of jelly bean called Jelly Belly Beans, mm-hmm. we all have heard of these, appeared on the market in 1976. Reagan quickly switched to them and would often share them with his staff and visiting officials. Uh, he enjoyed these sweet little candy so much that he later sent a letter to the chief executive of the company that produced them stating, we can hardly start a meeting or make decisions without passing around the jar of jelly beans. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, even after he became president, Reagan's fondness of the jelly beans didn't diminish. Uh, they had a large colorful jar of them. Um, even when he often, um, displayed them on the desk in the Oval Office, in the cabinet okay. room, and even in Air Force One. So th- they were everywhere. everywhere. Yep. Uh, jelly beans, they did first appear on the market. There were only eight flavors. Do you remember any of them? Yeah, no idea. Really? You even I, said one. Licorice. Black licorice, yeah. Blech. So uh, very cherry. Okay. Lemon, cream soda, tangerine, green apple, root beer, grape, and licorice. Okay. Which he claims licorice was his favorite. Blech. You're all liars. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't think it's gross. I have no problem eating like licorice. Oh, God, I can't. I spit that but thing I do. out. It, it is definitely a different taste, and I can totally understand why a lot of people don't like it. It's like anise um, extract. Mm-hmm. That's very, it's almost like licorice. You yeah. have to have a taste for yep. it. So uh, today there are 50 official and creative, uh, creatively named flavors to choose from. I'm not going to go through that list. <laughs> um, there's even a recipe on this for a jelly bean pudding parfait. So if you really? click on the link, you can definitely get this recipe. It has jelly beans, pudding, wafer cookies. Cool. Um, but I did also want to say in 1981, three and a half tons of jelly beans were shipped to Washington, D.C. for Reagan's inauguration. Blueberry, one of the most popular flavors today, was developed so there could be red, white, and blue jelly, jelly beans at the festivities. Cool. So that was when the blueberry so jelly bean. Reagan for the blueberry yep. jelly bean, basically, because if he wasn't elected, it wouldn't have happened. And odds are flavors may not have started to develop after that. So <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe they were developing before that other flavors. I just read, I think I even told you about it. I was reading about where they came up with the vomit flavor, and what was it? They were trying to do scrambled eggs, I think. No, it wasn't like scrambled that. eggs. It was. Uh, I don't remember. What I can't it was. even we remember. We just talked about it not that long and ago. And I remember thinking in my head, "Okay, vomit." But if I put that in my head, I wonder. I wonder if I could taste it. <laughs> oh, I can't remember yeah, what I don't it remember was. What it was either. I don't remember. It wasn't that long and ago. And it was something we that it. sounded so good. It was not eggs. Egg does not sound okay. like a good jelly I wasn't bean. Sure. I wasn't sure what it, it no, was. It was a pizza. It was a cheese pizza jelly bean. That's what it was. Yeah, it was that sounded like it would be good. That they tried to make. Yeah, I knew egg didn't sound And it right. turned out so bad that they renamed it the vomit jelly bean. Yeah. That is crazy. 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 They should have burnt the mozzarella cheese. <laughs> yes, they should Because that would have made it a little saltier. Yes, they should have. Mm, I love I cheese. No, I want a jelly bean. As long as it's buttered popcorn flavored. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm for it. Anyway, my last story is a really, really, really quick story. 
Dun, dun, dun. Just kidding. Other than your mother's dog, do you know anybody by the name of Daisy? Uh, Daisy Duke. (laughs) (laughs) Daisy, like as in Donald Duck's girlfriend? Yeah, I guess so. I was thinking, you know, maybe do you know anybody in real life, like a friend or a family member that's named Daisy? I don't. I just, I was trying to think if I feel like I do, but I don't think I do. Okay. Well, if you ever run into somebody who's named Daisy, you need to ask them what their real name is, because Daisy is actually a shortened version of a name. Daffodil. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, Tom's Thomas and Joe is Joseph. Daisylina. Daisy is Margaret. What? <laughs> That's what I said when I read that. <laughs> I'm going to start calling Margie Margaret. Or Daisy, or Margie Daisy. The name Boom. Margaret comes from France in uh, Margarette, which also in French means oxeye daisy. Weird. So technically, and so when it started, when people started naming kids Daisy, they wouldn't actually name their child Daisy. They would name their child Margaret and they would call them Daisy. That is weird. That's what I thought. I'm like, that is absolutely crazy. I never would have put two and two together, but. I don't yeah. think they do that anymore. I don't think I mean, so maybe either. there are people that do that, but I highly doubt that. I was surprised. That's... I was reading earlier. I don't think it's in front of me here. But I, I th- wonder if, like, Daisy Duck's real name is Margaret. Margaret. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I was, I was actually surprised. I was I reading Daisy that. in, like, the last numbers I could find were, like, from 2013. And Daisy was, like, in the top 100 for wow. girls' names. So I'm like, wow, that's kind of surprising. Well, after you said it, because we went through like flower names, or I went through flower names, I was just thinking we should have named Ava Daisy. We could have called her Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, just Daisy. So, not a real long story. I just ran across it. I'm like, I have to tell the world that I know that Daisy is short for Margaret, and they won't believe me. Until they Google it. Yes, or come to you know outlandishoutcast.com and click on the link. This is true. This is true. So, okay. My last story is, have you ever heard of the Boston Typewriter Orchestra? The Boston Typewriter Orchestra? Yeah. No, I have not. I'm I'm guessing it'd be rather interesting. I think it would be kind of interesting to see. Um, (laughs) 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 So, the musical assembly... uh, well, they use the typewriter, the vintage typewriters, okay. um, the clacking, rolling, spinning, and banging, banging the Boston typewriter orchestras turned the typed word into song. Hmm. So the band started in 2004 after taking a joke too seriously. That's usually how men do things. Because yeah. if you look in this picture, it's all men. All yeah. men. <sighs> men go too far. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, uh, Tim Devin proclaimed himself the conductor of the Boston Typewriter Orchestra, and he and a group of friends made a joke into reality. So the group began rehearsing on old typewriters, slowly developing an all-new form of music. That's cool. I'm always interested in, like, people who are able to make music with a non-musical instrument. Like, you see some street performers and stuff doing different things. I can see a typewriter 
being used musically. Well, they were even saying like different keystrokes, different brands of typewriters. Mm -hmm. They all make different sounds. They even have a tenor typewriter (laughs) in there. There was a certain one that, what is it? The portable models are a good tenor sound. Which is kind of funny just to even read this, but they've been playing around with them long enough to figure this out. Yep. Um, they started with paper in it and they stopped using paper because it just, it didn't make any difference in the sound. Okay. And by the time they were done with the paper, nothing on the paper made sense. Yeah, theft. Yeah, I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm sure when you're playing it for music, you're not, <laughs> whatever you're typing doesn't really matter. <laughs> so... It's not exact science, they say, but I mean, if you're having fun with it and you're making some money off of it, why yeah, not? Why not? Why not? That's, why not? That's like really interesting. I'm gonna have to like. So if you're ever in Boston, you want to see something a little different. I'll have to check and see if there's any like any of it on YouTube or anything. I'd like to see a video of of uh, of these people playing. Like I I think of the garbage cans when I'm thinking yep. of this because oh, yeah. the garbage yep. cans, I remember when that first started and everybody's like, what are they doing? Yep. And then you're like in awe after watching like, Whoa. You know, there's people that they'll play just like glasses of water uh-huh, with like, their you, finger. You're just like crazy. Absolutely crazy. Huh. Cool. 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 Or the spoons. Yeah. That's yeah. been around for ever. Yes. Yes. Ever and ever. So uh, I guess my last one was kind of short too. That's okay. Nothing wrong with short and sweet. What? Nothing. I like I to hear thinking, myself talk. I was thinking of jelly beans again. Anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> Stop thinking of jelly beans. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to outlandishoutcasts at gmail.com. You can come follow us on Facebook. You can like, share, post, and leave a comment for us at Outlandish Outcast Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, Outlandish Casts. <laughs> Our oddball. Yes. Otherwise, come follow us on Instagram and, I don't know, follow us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can follow us there at Outlandish Outcast Podcast. Follow us anywhere you can find us on the internet. Do not follow us in real life. <laughs> yeah, please don't. And I'll probably f- figure it out before you realize I've figured out you're following me. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty good at, at my surroundings and you knowing are. what's around me. You are. Anyway, I think uh, that was a good batch of stories. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye.